There are a few seasons uh, in each year where you begin to feel like you ought to do some type of cleanse. You, you know anybody like that? Come on, wave, wave at me if you've ever known a friend that's done a cleanse before. They're no fun to hang around at all. You're like, dude, let's go get a cheeseburger and some fries and a shake. They're like, nope, I'm doing a cleanse. I'm cleansing right now. I'm cleansing. Like, what does that even mean? you cleansing. you taking another shower? You already took one a day. No. And then they clarify, I'm doing a colon cleanse. That's right. I'm cleansing my colon. First of all, that was too much information. Second of all, that was too much information. And then people succumb to a very rigorous week, an uncomfortable week of drinking weird concoctions made of dirt and turtle spit. And then they, be, they become very up close and intimate with their restroom. How I many you know what I'm saying? Okay. That's, that's a cleanse. And, and all in all, I guess it's probably a good idea to consider doing a cleanse of some sort every once in a while based on all the junk that we ingest into our bodies on a daily basis. And today, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about a cleanse. Uh, how to cleanse your colon. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not the topic of our message today. But the word cleanse very simply means that you are free from, from dirt, from contamination, from defilement, from guilt. It means to purge or to clean. To purge or to clean. And I want to help us because we're coming out of a summer slump. And sometimes we get in a summer slump and we kind of get lackadaisical, just kind of roll into church and we roll into work, we roll home, and, and we get really, really lazy in some things. I want to help us as a, as a pastor. My job is not just to give you information, information, because information doesn't change lives. I want to take you on a journey. I want to take you on a journey with others, with relationship in the context of small groups and our growth track and all the things that we do as a church and help you come into a new season. Here's what it's going to do for you. It's going to help you recalibrate, because some of us are leaning this way, we're leaning that way, and this series will help you recalibrate so you're balanced for this new season. And as kids go back to school, which, by the way, any parents glad your kids are going back to school? Come on, you can't stand those kids. Give it up. I'm just kidding. So don't clap, don't clap, don't clap. The kids' self-esteem just went way low. It's okay. Show up to AU Wednesday night. We're going to build it back up. <coughs> so we have, we have kids going back to school, back to school blessing next Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. We love kids around here. And... Um, what happens is during this season, a lot of visitors begin to come check our church out. And a lot of guests come and, and um, our, our attendance goes up, but also salvations go up, meaning more people are making decisions for Christ. Because two times a year, there's a moment where you feel like you want to reorder the list of priorities. There's like January and there's August, September. And so we want to help you make the biggest impact you possibly can with your friends, with your family members. And I want to lead you out of the summer slump because, truth be told, some of us have stopped doing some stuff we shouldn't have stopped. Some of us have started doing some stuff we shouldn't have started. So I want to help you lead, lead, lead you out of this summer slump so that we can detox and we can get to a place where we can, we can make the biggest impact possible. It sounds good, everybody? So here's the deal. We're going to focus on, on a couple things. But primarily, we have two times a year where we focus on prayer. Prayer is every Thursday night we meet here in this room for seven, for, uh, seven not seven hours, from seven to, to eight. That would be a prayer meeting, wouldn't it? From seven to eight we do a prayer meeting every Thursday night. But we do two focused times or seasons of prayer. We do in January. 
We do a prayer and fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting, where we literally push back the plate, dedicate the year to God, and we say, God, we need to find out what your blessing so we can walk in that. And in August, we do 21 days of prayer, but we don't do fasting. It's, it's more like 21 days of prayer and feasting. I mean, like that a whole lot better than not eating. All right, so we, we get to a place where we pray, and here's what we're going to do. August the 8th is when we start this 21 days of prayer. Next Sunday, August 7th, and then the 8th, Monday through Friday of that week, we're going to launch a prayer meeting, 6 a.m., before we go to work or school. And I know many of you commute, but we're going to try to do our best to get in this room and pray for one hour. I'm going to respect your time. I'm not going to have you, you know, stay later than that, make you late to work. But try to come, even if you can't come for all of it, try to come to that because we want to pray for several things. And as we enter this new season, we're praying that God would bless it. We're praying, find out what God's blessing. You're going to be praying for your friends and your family members who don't know God, that they would come to know God in this next season. So come for that. But over the next four weeks, we're really going to focus on one word, one word. And I want you to say this out loud. Say detox. Come on, say it out loud. Detox. Detox is a great word, but it's a little, it's a little misunderstood when it comes to the things of our spiritual life. But the word detox means a removal of toxic substances from the living organism. It's a removal of toxic substances from a living organism. And when we come to church, sometimes we only think about like what to stop doing. And I want to help you with that because it goes deeper than that. But it may be for you, it is a physical, literal substance that's going into your body. If that's the case, we're going to help you in week three with that. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. Look at me, everybody. There's a lot of stuff we let into our lives that affects our, our bodies. That's bad. But we also allow a lot of junk in our spirits that mess us up too. There's a lot of stuff that pollute us and you have to remember, we are th- we're a triune being, your body, soul, and spirit, your body, your flesh and blood, and your, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, and your spirit, the part of you that's going to live forever. We all have allowed stuff to get in our spirit that pollutes us, so we need to come back, get a detox of all that, cleanse ourselves so that we can enjoy the next season of life that God has. A lot of times when we think about detox, we only think of, like, alcohol, and um, that might be true, and Kind of reminds me of a card I read this last week. I was shopping for a birthday card. I don't, anybody like shopping for birthday cards? I'm not a big fan, but um, we don't celebrate birthdays. I'm teasing. But I found this one card that was hilarious. Check it out. There's a reverend. He got pulled over by a police officer. He says, reverend, you been drinking? And, and everybody read this out loud. Okay, read it out loud. Just water, officer. You open the card. This is what it says. Read it out loud. Everybody together then why do I smell wine? He says, good Lord, he's done it again. (laughs) That's hilarious. For those of you that don't understand the card, Jesus turned water into wine in the Bible, and the reverend was claiming that Jesus did that again. Okay, you got it, you got it, you got it? Yeah, there's waves of it hitting now. Well, we want to help you because detox doesn't stop at just the body part. We want to go a little deeper today Deal with the, the spirit, the soul, and the body. So go with me in your notes to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul is writing this, and he used to be a Christian hater. He used to be a Christian killer. And literally, God transformed his life in Acts chapter 9, and he would go on to be the greatest missionary this world's ever known aside from Christ Jesus himself. He would go on to write almost one-third of your New Testament. And here in 2 Corinthians 6, he's talking about, he's talking about a war that rages in, in all of us. He says this, do not be yoked together 
with unbelievers. Say yoked. <clears throat> now, it's not talking about egg yolk. It's talking about the Greek word means koinonia. It's, it's closeness. It's fellowship. It's, it's, it's a closeness. And, and what he's saying is that God wants to be close to you. And obviously, we cannot remove ourselves from all the toxic things in the world or all the toxic things that are around us. But you have to be careful how close you get to that kind of stuff. Because the closer you get, the more it can contaminate your life. And I don't mean you got to worry about, you know, being around people like, that spirit's going to jump on me. No, I'm not worried about that. Greater is he that's in you than he that's within the world, right? I'm talking about influence, though. There's something to be said about influence in every single one of our lives. So he says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Well, the answer is nothing. What fellowship, what fellowship can light have with darkness? Not any. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? That's another name for the devil or demons. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Say that with me. For we are the temple. <clears throat> Some people come into a room like this and say, this is the sanctuary. Okay, let me give you a newsflash. This is not the sanctuary. If you grew up in church, we, we call this the sanctuary. This is not the sanctuary. This is an experience room. This is an auditorium. God doesn't want to live in here. He wants to live in you. This isn't a sanctuary. You're a sanctuary. And God, he says, I want to live inside of you. Literally, for we are the temple of the living God. Then he says this. He quotes. uh, He says, I will live with them. He's quoting another part of the Bible. And I will walk with them, God said. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you always want to ask, what's it there for? It's connecting what was said and what is getting ready to be said. Therefore, since we have these promises, what promises? That God wants to be our God, that he wants to be our father, that he, he has a plan for our lives. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us, watch this, watch this, let us purify ourselves. Now, God saves you and purifies you at salvation. But then there's something post-decision where we get to purify ourselves. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's purify ourselves from everything that contaminates all the toxins, the body, and, and the spirit. Watch this. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. It's because of God. So here's what God is saying. Look at, look at me, everybody. God is saying, I want to be more involved in your life. I want to be more involved in your family. I want to be more involved in your home, in your marriage, in your schools. But what hinders that from happening is how close you become to these other things. Like, I I have such an amazing plan. So come out from among these things and analyze what's in your life that shouldn't be there. Begin to analyze. Begin to look at what that looks like. Because salvation is free. How many thank God that salvation is completely free? Come on, let's clap our hands and say amen for that. You don't work for salvation. It's just you coming to a place where you acknowledge Jesus Christ died for your sins and my sins and rose from the dead, paid for our sins so that we can be free. But here's the thing. The level that God moves inside of your life, that's up to you. The level God uses you and moves in your life, that's based on, listen to me, it's based on your closeness to him or the world. So how badly do we want God to move in our life? I want to help you with this on a journey. And there's so many things that have, been, that, that have kind of come into our life and polluted our spirit, polluted our soul. 
even our body. And you say, well, how do I know this? Look at the next verse, Psalm 13, verse 2. David is writing. He says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Okay, let me ask you a question. How many have ever wrestled with your thoughts before? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, how many have a lying problem? Raise your hand. Come on, that's all of us, right? We've all wrestled with our thoughts to some degree. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a a thought where you're like, I don't want to do this, and then you do it? Or I really, really want to do this, and you don't do it? Come on, anybody? That's me. I'm going to raise both hands. That's what David's talking about. Let me ask you a question, another question. How long did that wrestling match last, and who won? Which side? Was it the little devil on your shoulder? Was it the little angel on your shoulder? Which one? Because there's this, there's this war raging on the inside of you to follow God, not follow God. Follow God. Do what he says. No, don't do what he says. And all this is taking place inside of our life. We're wrestling. How long does that wrestling match go on? David is writing this, and he's the leader of God's people. He's the leader of God's people, and he had issues. In Romans chapter 7, Paul's writing, and he says, man, there's stuff in my life I want to do, and I don't do it. There's stuff I don't want to do, and I find myself doing that. That's, I mean, read Romans 7. It's really encouraging. And this is a guy who's planting churches, writing scripture, and there was an issue inside of his life that he was struggling with to, to overcome. And he got so depressed with this. He said, man, I, what a wretched man I am. Who can deliver me from this, this, this body of death that I'm in? He goes on to answer his own question and says, only Jesus can do that. Romans chapter 8 opens up. So we've looked at Romans chapter 6, Romans 7. Now Romans chapter 8 is the prescription. I love Romans 8, man. It's a great chapter. I've oftentimes said that if a pastor did not study all week long, has nothing to preach, stand up here and read Romans chapter 8. It'll preach itself. It's that good. Read Romans chapter 8. Which, by the way, if you ever see me on a Sunday reading Romans chapter 8, you know that brother ain't studied at all this week. But guess what? You're still going to be good because Romans chapter 8 is awesome. Here's a prescription. Look at it, and I want you to underline the word minds, our mind, every time you see it, okay? Do me a favor, underline the word minds. Those who live according to the flesh, that means your body, the, the desires of our natural flesh, have their minds, there's the first time, set on what the flesh desires. Like you're thinking about those things all the time. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds, there it is, set on what the Spirit desires. The mind, third time, Governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and, shout it out, peace. The mind, there it is again, governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law or to God's words. It's not going to obey God's word, nor can it even do so. Those who are in this realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, meaning, but it's different for you and me, if you're giving your life to God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But, here's the good news, if Christ is in you, then even through, though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit of life gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies, that's heaven, because of the Spirit that lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation we are obligated to do this, to live this life, but it's a blessing. It's not a sacrifice. We're, we're, we're blessed to be able to do this, but not to obligate it to the flesh to live according to it. 
Verse 13, final verse. For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. Like living according to our fleshly desires always brings a death to relationships, to our walk with God, to, to, uh, to all kinds of things in our life. He says, but if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the mindset of the body, you will live. That's a great, great verse. And let me just explain what this means. The Bible is talking about if we're going to be effective in this detox, you have to focus on what you're thinking about. Take control of your thought life because God wants to cleanse us from the inside out, which means if we're going to have an effective detox, you have, to, you have to monitor what comes in and what goes out of your minds. Monitor that because I want to help you today get through this and find out areas in your life that are contaminations or, or, or toxins in your, your body. Get those out one by one. We'll deal with them one by one. We'll take, we'll take a Sunday out of this series. Every Sunday, we'll take one section. And for six days, six days, I'm going to ask you to, to practice this, okay? You can do anything for six days. But guess what? You can't just empty yourself. Some people don't even want to come to church because they're afraid. Yeah, all that church is going to tell me to do is stop doing everything I'm doing. I'm not telling you to stop doing anything. I'm telling you to open up your life to fill your life with God. Let me explain it this way. I have up here soda. How many love soda? This is, um, this is, this is soda, and this is also, like with, with a 32-ounce cup of soda, there's 32 ounces of sugar in each soda can. You know that, right? And so this is not the healthiest thing to drink. Um, when you drink this, it becomes a toxin into your body. I know there's all kinds of stuff, but this is one. Now, if I wanted to take this soda and I wanted to empty this cup, I want to get rid of the soda, I could do it a couple ways. One, I could just pour it out and empty, right? I can empty. But here's the problem. Then it's empty. You don't, want, you don't want to be empty. Here's another way I could do it. I can take a bunch of fresh water and begin to pour this out until it begins to flush out every toxin, every bad stuff, all the sugar, until there's nothing left but pure water. Now, let me tell you, this is the same thing with your walk with God. You don't need to focus on stopping stuff. You need to allow God to fill your life in such a way that he pushes and flushes everything else out. The people that try to focus on just stopping stuff, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing that, they don't, they're not successful. But those who surrender your life to God, God comes in, he begins to flush it out, and you become a brand new creature. Is there anybody in the room that's testified that that's the truth? That's how you cleanse. It's, it, that's how cleansing happens. It's not from stopping stuff. It's by adding the right things. So I want to give you three things to add, so stop, but three things to add. Okay, three things that we're going to take out of our life, detox from, and three things we're going to add. Give me six days, six days, practice this, test it and see if, it's, if it works. Test what I'm going to give you this week and just see if it works. It's going to be a detox, and it's going to be uncomfortable for the first couple of days. Let me just tell you. My wife, man, she, this girl used to love coffee. Anybody else love coffee? Come on, give it up for caffeinated drinks, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> they love, people love coffee. You got it in, in your writing. That's okay. I'm not mad at that. Caffeine in Christ. That's all we need. She went on a 21-day fast in the beginning of January, and she decided she's going to give up coffee. Yeah, oh, look at all the, all the coffee addicts. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Crazy woman. She used to have like six cups a day. That's a lot. Like, just put it right here. That, my dad said it would go faster. So she, she has, she has this, this detox period, like three or four days. I mean, headaches. She's, she's laying on the bed. 
She's aching all over her body. She's cold sweats. I was like, girl, you are dope thing. That's what you are. You need deliver. You need Jesus. Like she had to have the lights dim, the blinds closed. But about day five, day five, she started feeling really good. Like I didn't have to hide in the closet anymore in the morning before she got a cup. You know what I'm saying? Like, here she comes. Girls, don't, don't talk. Hi, mom. Here's your cup of coffee. <laughs> she wasn't that bad. So about day five, she starts feeling really, really good. And now she didn't drink coffee at all because she sleeps better. She feels better. We drink a lot of tea, but she's not doing coffee. Can I tell you, some of you have forgotten how good you can feel spiritually because we've allowed so many toxins inside of our body and it's robbing us from the abundant life that God wants to bring today. Can I hear a good amen? <coughs> so here it is, three things, write this down. Number one, we gotta detox doubt. We gotta get doubt out of our life. For some of us, we don't even realize how much we've allowed into our life of doubt. We doubt God's word, we doubt what it says. And here's what it is. Some people say doubt is the opposite of faith. Not really. Doubt is also faith. It's just placed in the wrong place. Doubt is believing everything that the world says about stuff, but doubting God's goodness, his grace, his love, his word. And it's really, it's faith. You're putting your faith in the worst possible scenario. You're doubting God and believing something else. You are believing, but it's just not God's word. You're believing something else. And write this down. Here's, here's how we're going to detox it. I will trust what God's word says. <clears throat> write that down. I will trust what God's word says. He said, I've never met him. I've never seen God. Listen, I just flew back from Australia a couple weeks ago. I got on a plane, a large plane. And I hate, I hate riding in planes. I like getting to the destinations. But I'm, I'm in a plane, and it's hot. You're, uh, you're uncomfortable. Seats are so small for somebody like me, 6'1", and... The guy in front of me leans his, I don't know why, but every time somebody leans their chair back, I get angry. I just want to, I just want to push him. I know it's his right. He paid for that seat, but I feel like it's invading my personal space. Anybody else with me? And then the air thing, that's a joke. They're just push, pushing air. That's recycled air from people coughing in the sixth row. Now it's coming into your mouth. I never met the pilot. I got on this plane. I never met him. Never even saw him. I don't know what he looks like or she looks like. I don't know how old he is. She, I don't, I don't know anything about them. I got on a plane and I trusted him to take me 30,000 feet in the air over the ocean. That's trust. That's faith. Some of you are like, yeah, John, but you know, you can look at his proven track record and seen all the other planes that he's landed. Exactly. And you could do the same thing with God. Maybe you've never seen him. We haven't touched him personally. But there's a track record that lasts generations and thousands of years of changed lives because of the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. Come on. Is there anybody in the room that's been changed by God's mercy? This is amazing to me. We've got to believe what God says. And so we come back to Scripture and we look at Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust. It's the first word. Trust in the Lord with a little bit of your heart. With every part of you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, everything, acknowledge God. Here's the guarantee. He's going he's gonna to make your crooked path straight. He's going to direct your paths. I wonder, is there anybody in the room that needs some directing? Anybody need some crooked paths made straight in front of you? This is a three-step process. We got to get doubt out of our life. Write this down. Number two, we got to get negativity out. We got to detox negativity. It's big. This is huge, 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 huge. So many people are so 
so negative. Listen, listen, it's a choice. Negativity is a choice. You can choose to be negative. You can choose to be positive. You ought to be, as a believer in Jesus, the most positive person in any room. You ought to be the most positive person. There are people that complain and are negative about everything. You ever seen the lady, the guy in the store, the grocery store? They have two people in front of them. They're the third person, and they lose it. Can you call somebody else? Gosh, this is ridiculous. And they start talking. I don't even know them. And they're talking to me, trying to get me into their negativity. Can you believe this? I'm like, well, they're pretty busy. This is amazing that we live in a country where we can actually have food. This is, I'm sorry, ma'am, that you have two people ahead of you when there are other countries that there are no food. You can be eating dirt and red dirt and rice and beans, but instead you have a whole grocery cart filled with stuff. Ma'am, maybe we should just turn this negativity around. We ought to be very, very grateful people on this earth that we have a God who knows our name, who knows our needs, and he supplies. Let's not be negative. And I also think that, I also think that when we come around, I'm tempted to be negative. I am. How many else are cynical by nature? Anybody? Yeah, some of you are like, I'm cynical by nature. And so I fight that. I fought to, to overcome that. I used to be very, very cynical. I'm not as much anymore because it's a choice. I think we ought to be the most positive people in a room. You ought to be the most positive people in that boardroom. You ought to be the most positive person in that workplace. You, ought to, you can change the environment around. You, you as a believer can turn an entire, entire room around to be positive. How many have ever seen a, like Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore? Some people just have an Eeyore spirit, don't they? Just walking like, oh, nobody likes me. It's probably going to rain. It's probably not going to work. Man, we, we, we should not be that person. We ought to be some tiggers in the room. Anything you ask Tigger to do, that's what we do best. Come on, we can do this. <laughs> you know, we need to be that guy. <coughs> Most positive people on planet Earth. Because we have a, a great message. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to combat that. I will think like God thinks. I'm going to think like God thinks. Isaiah chapter 26 is a great verse. Look on the other side of your notes. You, God, will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace. This is a peace you can't find in a bottle. This is a peace you cannot buy. God promises to keep us in perfect peace whose mind is is stayed on you because we trust you, God. So we're going to thank God the way God thinks. We're going to keep our minds stayed on him. And then, write this down, we're going to say what God says. I will say what God says. Now, if, if, you, if you get to a place where you're unfamiliar with what God says, you have to go back to understanding there's one place to find out. That's the Bible. You can't find out anywhere else what God said. You need to go back to Scripture. And then, after we find out what God says, we want to say the same thing. Look at Ephesians 4.29. <coughs> Excuse me. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts, 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 here it is again, our minds, on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice 
I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse, but that sure is good. That's a good one. Tuck that back in. I'll get to it in a minute. I was reading. I was like, man, this is great. (laughs) Rewind the tape. Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Ooh, this is deep. Some of you are like, you had me until you start talking about the mouth. Let everything, which everything means everything, you say be good or helpful. Let it be good or helpful. Let it be good or helpful. Let it be good or helpful so that your words may be an encouragement to those who hear them. You've heard the phrase before, if you can't say anything nice. No, 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 no. That's, that's not how it goes. I was driving home from church one day, and I used to be so critical of our services. And um, I... I, I really felt the Lord say to me, stop it. Because I would come back and I'd say, man, that didn't work. How come the song didn't, wasn't on right? And the mic didn't went on. And I just complained and I took all the fun out. Now we don't critique on Sundays. Our staff is not allowed to. They know if something goes wrong, they can't come to me on a Sunday. We, 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 if you, here's what the Lord said. If you can't say something nice, force yourself to. So I, it's not about, because you could still be negative and not say anything and still mess up a room. I ain't going to say nothing. Yeah, but you still suck the life out of the room. If you can't say something nice, force yourself to. Come on, we're bigger than this. I would turn around and instead of talking about the mic not working or the screens jacked up, I'd say, girls, 96 people gave their life to Jesus today. Can you believe we get to be a part of such a movement like this? Wow, dad, this is amazing. So we turn around, watch your speech. It should be helpful. It should be, it should be good. And if it's not that, listen, we need to learn to be, watch our mouths. My mom told me that one time. You better watch your mouth. And I, look, I, was like, I looked at it, I was like, I can't. How many you know I got delivered that real fast? <laughs> All right, so we're going to think what God thinks. We're going to say what God says. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 29 just sums it up. You can do this for six days, everybody. Six days. Give us six days. And, and I promise you, 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 you can change. You can change that. Sometimes we're so negative. Our speech is so negative. What if we had a jar in our house, and every time we said something negative, we had to put a dollar in it? That'd be awesome. Some of you could pay for a trip to Paris in like a month. (laughs) Let's just change this. Six days, get this out, detox a little bit, get free from this. Number three. So we have doubt, negativity. Number three, write this down, sin. We need to detox sin. Detox sin. Sin is anything that's that's sinful, it pollutes our spirit. Now here, just to help you know, none of us get this right all the time, okay? So I'm not pointing a finger at you. None of us get this right all the time. But here's the, the Greek word. When I say the word sin, sometimes people are like, oh, that's so offensive, and you don't talk about sin. No, listen, it's, it really needs to be talked about, but here's the word. The Greek word just means you miss the mark. Like, that's, 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 that's not a, a bad word. It's just letting you know you missed the mark. The Greek word is armatia. You missed the mark. So if we missed the mark, we have to ask ourselves, why? Why did I miss the mark? There's a story about a guy named Jason and his cousin John. Jason drives onto the property, and he has this, his, his cousin John owns a barn, a big property. And on the barn, there's 10 targets, and on the targets, there's 10 bullseyes, and in the bullseye, there's 10 arrows, smack dab in the bullseye. 
He never knew his cousin could shoot like that. He walks up to the, to the door and knocks on the door, and he's like, dude, I didn't know you could shoot like that. Ten arrows, ten bullseyes, ten arrows in each bullseye. That's amazing. And his cousin said, I can't shoot that well. <laughs> I shot the arrows first, and I just painted the target around it. <laughs> Here's what we find. A lot of times in life, we're not good shooters. We just learn how to be good painters. We know how to paint ourselves and make it look like we have it all together, but on the inside, we've missed the mark. Listen, I want to help you get the mark because this is so important. You're like, well, why is it so important? If we, if we miss the mark, why? It's because we've been pointed in the wrong direction. We're pointed in the wrong direction. Jesus sets us free from sin. Thank God for that. Now he wants us to re-aim our lives, to focus towards him. And then that word that he uses is repent. And some like, you know, some people are thinking that's another harsh word. No, it just means turn around. You were going your way, turn around and start going God's way, and God's going to help you. How many... You don't have to raise your hands on this. How many this summer you have aimed slightly off target at some things? Your life has been aiming at slightly the wrong direction and you need to re-aim. Think about that. It's, you say, why is it so important? I'll tell you why. Because I have a bow and arrow up here and uh, Nigel has a target. Give Nigel a hand, everybody. Run to the back real fast, real fast, real fast. So just hold it up. So, so Nigel is behind or at the sound booth. I'm going to try to get this right. Last service, I, I shot somebody in the thigh. <laughs> so let's say that I'm here, okay? I'm right there where, where I'm on target. This, is, this will hit the bullseye. If I'm three inches off, guess what happens? I miss the bullseye. I miss the mark by three inches. What are you guys ducking for? Don't you trust me? Let me explain a little deeper. Here's an apple. Tino, put that on your head. Okay, listen. If I'm, if, if I, if I'm pointed right at the apple right now, if I'm three inches off, this is going to severely severely alter his future. Are you getting what I'm saying? Come on, give them a hand, everybody. If we're a little off, some people are like, well, that's just a little bit. I know, I understand it's a little bit, but the trajectory of your life can be way off target if you're not aiming in the right direction. We've got to come back and re-aim. Can I hear a good amen? I believe with all of my heart, God wants us, write this down, to turn to what God wants. We're going to turn to what God wants. Romans chapter 6, verse 13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead. Do you remember those days? Do you remember those moments where you felt so empty without God? Do you remember the moment where you would have done anything to have forgiveness and peace from your past? Do you remember that moment? Take yourself back to that moment. He says, you were dead, but now you are, have a new life in God. Is, I wonder, is there anybody in the room that's grateful that God has brought us back to life, given us hope and a future? Come on. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So it's not about enough just to give 
you know, stop doing stuff. We need to now start doing some stuff. Fill our lives up. So six days. Give me six days and do these things. We're going to stop, stop doing doubt and, and we're going to get negativity out of our life. Re-aim. And number one, write this down. We're going to read God's word. Get God's word inside of us again. Because if we're going to believe what God says, there's only one place that you could get that, and that's the Bible. So some of us, we need to be reprogrammed. Six days. Why don't you do this? Six days. Instead of reading the blogs and the news and everything else, what if you began to fill your life with God's word? So here's, here's the verse, Psalm 1, verse 1. It says, happy are those who reject the advice of evil people, who do not follow the example of sinners or join with those who have no use for God. Instead, they find joy in obeying the word of God, the law of the Lord. They study it day and night. So here's the question. What have you been feeding on? Social media, movies, all this stuff. I'm not saying all that's bad. I'm just saying it's funny to me how so many people trick themselves into thinking they don't have time to read the Bible. You know what? I can, on your iPhone, you, there's a setting that you can literally check to find out what, you, what applications you have used the most in order. That'd be a great sermon series one day. Talk about priorities. And it talks about the percentage you've used. And I, for a lot, of, a lot of people, it might not be the Bible at the top. I'm not saying it has to be. I'm just saying, just go back. If you don't think you have time, look at that. Look at how much time we've spent on social media and emails and everything else. And then let's say, God, we want to put you back on the list and make you first. Amen, somebody? I'm I'm encouraging you to start doing some good stuff. I'm encouraging you to put some things back in your life. And so write this down. I will, and then fill in the blank. You say, what's the blank? I don't know. You tell me. What do you want to do with God's word this week? I'm not going to tell you what to do. You know what to do. You have the Holy Spirit in you. What, what do you want to do? Maybe you're, you're reading less blogs, less emails, less, less media, and you're going to fill your life with God's word. Maybe a psalm a day. Maybe a proverb a day. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you're going to do the one-year Bible with us. Go to our website. It has the one-year Bible. You can read through the whole Bible in 15 minutes a day for a year. And then there's a devotional. So, so I believe if you, if you do this, it's going, to, it's going to change your life. The second prescription is this, worship. Worship. <coughs> And where you get to the place where you are not just listening to worship, but you are, you're worshiping. But start with music. Music is heavy, heavy, man. It's, it's amazing how music can change your mood. It has so much control. And the philosophy of the world is primarily disseminated through music. I'm not saying you can't listen to any other music, but I am saying, what if we backed up and said, God, I'm going to listen to more worship music this week. I'm going to download some Hillsong, some Bethel, some, some uh, Elevation Worship. I'm just going to listen to that and get that in my spirit because music changes you on the inside. The devil knows how powerful it is. You can listen to one song, and you can be happy, and all of a sudden somebody's like, move, move, get out the way. And you're like on the freeway, yeah, move. Where'd that come from, honey? I'm not sure. just came over me. Or you could be happy, or then you break up with a spouse, I mean, not, hopefully not a spouse, but like a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, and, and a mu- music comes on, and, and music just changes you. You can start feeling so sad. And uh, I will always love you. <laughs> changes how you feel. So if you're not, if you're not feeling very spiritual, throw some worship music on. My family and I listen to worship music all the time while we're getting ready, 
for church while we're getting ready for the day. It's pumping all the time in the house, in the van. Speakers aren't very good, <coughs> but we pump it anyway. We sing it, we play it, we write it. We, we get worship inside our hearts. All right, everybody? So get this inside of you. Get it inside of you. And um, six days, try it. You might go through a little detox at first. Like, man, I really want to listen to, but stop. Stop yourself. Just come back to, I, I really want to flush my system out. It's going to help you. Philippians 4, here's the great verse I was reading. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent, worthy of praise, worship. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Here's the promise. Watch this, watch this. Then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Write this down. I will, and fill in the blank. <clears throat> what does that look like? I'm going I'm to not listen to so much of the world. I'm going to get some of the worldly out, but I'm going to replace that with fill in the blank. I'm going to listen to worship music on the way to work or while I'm getting ready or play it in the background at my job or whatever, whatever you can do. Number three, write this down. It's prayer. Prayer. Six days. We start 21 days of prayer next Sunday, so don't pray until then. <laughs> I'm kidding. But we're going to do a focused 21 days starting next week. And then August 8th through the 12th, we're going to do a 6 a.m. prayer meeting right here where we just call on God teach you how to pray and give you some prayer guides and stuff like that. We do a prayer meeting every Thursday night as well. Every night of the week, uh, every night of the, um, every Thursday night of the year. Write this down. Here's what God said. I'll end with this. God says, if, conditional, if my people who are called by my name, they would humble themselves and what? If they would pray, which Sad fact, most people that go to church don't pray on their own. They pray sometimes in church or they pray for the frosted flakes real quick, but it's not communication. God said, if my people are called by name, my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. If there be a detox there, <coughs> here's what he said. Here's the promise. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Come on, is there anybody in the room that's, that, that, that's, that's cog, that understands we need God to heal our land? It's not the government that's going to fix it. We need God to step in. And the church needs to be the church. We need to step up and lead the way with God's word, with worship, with prayer. And I believe six days, try it. Replace some stuff, try it. Let God fill your life and push the other stuff out. Six days from now, you're going to say, man, I'm starting to feel different.